Hello, and welcome to Below the Surface. I'm your host, Terry Wilkinson. In this new season of Below the Surface, I'll be digging deeper into some new topics like emotional unavailability and grace in relationships. I've grown a lot in some areas, and I like to share my experiences with you all while also touching on some uncomfortable and sensitive topics. I say uncomfortable because as I've encountered these situations, I've been forced to dig deeper myself and reconsider my perspective as it relates to growth and healing. I realized that there's strength and power in using your own community members as a support system. With Below the Surface, I've been able to be a support system for some, and I hope to continue doing so. Full transparency, though, I wasn't sure if I should keep doing this podcast because life kept getting in the way. And I didn't think that many people were listening, but while I was away, I met many people who related with my stories and my journey. So I offer my journey to you as I share my triumphs and tribulations in the hope that it gives you power. Growth is a process, and while some people will pretend to be fully healed and capable of dealing with situations as they arise, I'm here to tell you that the journey never ends. Life will constantly throw things at you that will force you to either grow or stay put. You'll find that what used to work for you will somehow not be the solution as you try to become the person that God has called you to be. If you are not a robot on autopilot, you will be forced to deal with some things that will force you to grow. I don't want anyone to be discouraged by what I'm saying. While the journey continues, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Changing your perspective and learning to pivot can help you cope with life's challenges. Today, I'd like to share with you my perspective. I'll be discussing my experiences with triggers and anxiety, and my hope is that by sharing my story, you will become more self-aware and empowered to address your own triggers and deal with any anxiety that is causing you harm. For me, as for most people in the Black community, simply being Black can be traumatic, and you are frequently triggered by various people, places, and things. However, negative stigmas, racial discrimination in mental health care, and lack of equitable access to resources and services have often been discouraging to those in need. From seeking help for trauma and anxiety, particularly, as a result, there are a lot of people who are constantly triggered in various aspects of life and suffering. Let us first define trigger. A trigger, also known as a stressor, is an action or a situation that can cause an adverse emotional reaction. Triggers typically have an impact on our emotional well-being in the context of our mental health. It causes anxiety in some people, which can be mentally crippling, and it also causes physical ailments in others, such as panic attacks or digestive problems. That deserves its own podcast, so I'll save that for another episode. Keeping the focus on triggers, we don't talk about triggers enough in mental health. In my opinion... Most of the time, the discussion focuses on what happens after a person is triggered rather than why they were triggered in the first place, which often leads to a cycle of anxiety and emotional distress. When you've been triggered, dealing with the situation can seem much more difficult in the moment. That is at least what my own experience has taught me. On my own healing journey, I'm still learning about my triggers and how to deal with them so I don't feel emotionally drained all the time. I have suppressed my feelings about certain issues since I was a child because I learned to minimize what I was feeling. That is common for many black women because our experiences are frequently minimized or ignored. As a result, we rarely discuss triggers and live in a state of constant reaction. And when we are caught reacting, we frequently are labeled um, as difficult. When it comes to being a black woman, I believe gaslighting is common throughout the world. We are often told, either directly or indirectly, that we are exaggerating or we are treated accordingly, which increases our anxiety and depression. Historically, health professionals, including those in mental health, have been taught and socialized to believe and assume that black people and other people of color do not experience physical and emotional pain to the same degree as white people. And systems have been developed to support this point of view. 
That is why the strong black woman and the strong black man archetypes in pop culture and feminist phraseology are constantly reinforced. It can be difficult to unlearn some of the negative stigmas associated with mental health when some members of the black community and even your own family continue to reinforce them. It is, however, possible. It is not an easy transition or adjustment, but it starts with unlearning those stigmas and becoming educated on the true definition of mental health conditions and how to deal with the symptoms. Before you can solve a problem, you must first identify its source, or at least that's what I like to do. I was frequently triggered, but I didn't pay much attention to it because I had learned to cope with it. I never thought I had anxiety because I called it so many different things. And to be honest, who wants to admit that they have a problem? It was something I called being strong, resilient, and persevering at all costs. I couldn't give up, so I kept going even when I knew I shouldn't, putting my mental and physical health at risk, constantly. If my mother and my grandmother could do it, then so can I. If those around me were still going, then I should too. I embraced the dysfunction of those who came before me. I called it anger and I would curse or fight, but I had no reason to be concerned. I didn't pay attention to the fact that rage was my outward manifestation of my dissatisfaction with the negative effects of my own anxiety. At work, I had to be twice as good in order to go half as far because I was representing more than just myself. I carried that burden. And while it's not necessarily an incorrect statement to believe that and that those beliefs are not something that is unheard of, that combined with being a strong black woman increased my anxiety. I can't think of many situations in which I wasn't triggered, and work was one of them. That being said, it's sometimes the little things, the subtle comments, the reactions that you get from others, the constant annoyance of people downplaying your emotions, the constant annoyance of you downplaying your own emotions. For far too long, I had become so robotic in my reactions to people and situations that I had become toxic to my own well-being. Previously, being strong meant avoiding or denying how I truly felt, carrying guilt and shame from painful experiences, pretending like sadness, worry, hurt, and disappointment were not feelings that I experienced. I've discovered that pretending doesn't make the feelings go away. When you ignore those feelings, they grow into bigger problems and begin to affect all aspects of your life, particularly relationships. The key to relationships in most instances, in all instances really, is vulnerability. And if you can't be vulnerable with yourself and feel emotions, then you can't be vulnerable with others and have relationships and feel connected. Um, A lot of times I thought that other people's behavior was the reason why I couldn't get connected to them. When I'm now realizing or what I'm now realizing is that my own inability to feel my emotions and call them what they were has affected my ability to engage in healthy relationships with people, whether it be romantic friendships Um, relationships with my family, I was showing up inauthentic, not as myself, which constantly caused me to be triggered or feel triggered. Because when people would say things or do things, it was hard for me to accept that what they were doing was not actually um, ill will towards me, but was actually something that was reflecting something that I was feeling. And that was a hard thing to come to terms with. Being responsible for my emotions and acknowledging um, where they come from and being emotionally aware was not something that I was taught. Um, So I learned to ignore my feelings. But by ignoring my feelings, bigger problems started to persist in my life. 
Because when you ignore those feelings, they grow into bigger problems and they begin to show up in all aspects of your life. Relationships, at work, at school, everywhere in society. Um, And so I've really learned to really become emotionally aware in a way that allows me to be responsible for my emotions um, and not suppress them. Lightness is possible. Peace and contentment are available. Authentic joy is attainable. But first, you have to call a spade a spade. Be truthful with yourself and learn to feel. There is no shame in feeling feelings. I know that a lot of times we like to suppress our feelings because it's painful. Nobody wants to feel hurt. Nobody wants to be hurt on purpose. If somebody said, hey, let me cut you so you can bleed, nobody will willingly, unless you're into that type of thing, would actually offer themselves to be cut because you don't want to be in pain. But when we acknowledge all aspects of our being, and we open ourselves up to being our most authentic selves, we are able to create meaningful connections and live more abundant lives. Live the lives that we want to live in the first place. Paying attention to and acknowledging and discussing our feelings is not something that many black women have been taught or seen modeled. I myself, even now, when I'm trying to talk about my feelings, those close to me have no ill will but they frequently say things like, you're fine, or you just need to get over it, or you've been through worse. Oh, you'll be able to conquer this. This is just one more thing. So I learned to deal with things consequently by ignoring my emotions and focusing on the task at hand, survival. It becomes survival for me. I just keep going and going and going um, without slowing down, afraid that if I slow down, that I will fall apart. Because I, who wants to feel the difficult pain of sitting in your stuff? Um, but what I've learned is when you sit in your stuff and when you feel your feelings and when you call them what they are, and you acknowledge that pain, that you're still here. You can still be all the things that you want to be in this life, but first you have to be your authentic self. That's where you find true freedom. Acknowledging mental health and wellness, particularly in black communities can be difficult in itself. For me personally, self-care has been difficult, even as a mental health professional and as a black person. When we help others, As those in the helping profession do, we sometimes forget to take care of ourselves. Even as we encourage others to do so for themselves, my desire to prove that I am the one assisting rather than the client frequently makes me feel like an imposter. I've discovered that even professionals require assistance. There's no shame in you getting help or you dealing with your own issues or anxiety or depression or anything as you begin to help others. Rather, that you model for them what it's like to go and take care of yourself. Recognizing that you have anxiety symptoms is not a personal weakness. And no matter who you are or how far you have progressed in your personal development, you should never underestimate the impact of your challenges on your mental health. It is liberating to choose acknowledging your emotions. If you don't have a safe place to talk, which many of us don't, such as therapy, a friend, or a family member who can just create space for you to listen, then I would recommend that you learn to journal. I know it sounds cliche, but journaling has taught me to be more open and to get to the bottom of what I'm really feeling. And why? For example, I had an issue where I kept saying that I was frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. But when I really examined how I was feeling, it wasn't about frustration. It was more about disappointment. That I can't rely on others the way that I would like, well, the way in which they rely on me. Um, And that became uncomfortable for me to say. But through journaling, I was able to really pinpoint that. And call that emotion, like get underneath of that emotion of frustration or anger um, so that I'm able to really see how I'm really feeling and be able to call it what it is. 
as a result, I've been able to get a lot more things done and let go of things that was taking up space in my mind. There's something freeing about being able to say things out loud than to be silent. Um, Oftentimes now, and I even read my journal entries out loud to help myself free myself um, and being able to say it out loud, what's troubling me, what's bothering me, how I'm feeling, um, so that it's not something that I'm keeping. As you examine your triggers and the emotions that precede them, keep in mind that you're not crazy, that you're anxious, and that your feelings are valid. Even if nobody else validates your feelings, you must first acknowledge your own feelings. Reason being, how can you expect other people to recognize and know what you're feeling when you yourself can't even name the emotion? Regain control of your life and if necessary, seek the assistance of a mental health professional or a therapist and determine what works best for you. Everything that I say is not something that will work for everybody, but you can always at least start the conversation with yourself as to how you are going to change your life and what things will work for you in the end in terms of trying to reach the goals that you have set for yourself. As always, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Below the Surface.